0: Okay, so we are in Job. I guess I'm going to put 32 and 33 together. We're coming close to the end of the book. And um, uh, the friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, uh, they've completed their speeches. They're, They're done talking. And Job has finished giving his final rebuttal. And for all intents and purposes, Job has effectively done away with all of their arguments. We've spent uh the whole book basically listening to these three guys try to tell Job that um the reason that he uh the reason that he is going through the things he's going through is because of uh some secret sin, there's something in his life that God is displeased with. God has changed his mind about how he will accept Job. And we've we've gone over all these things. And so uh, I've also been thirty-two chapters in, and I've forgot to uh, pretty much every single time forgotten to tell you that there are outlines on the website to every chapter that we've gone through. So, if any chapter uh, of the Book of Job, and there's other books as well, um, John, and, and and so forth. If there's anything that you've missed, anything you want to go back and print off, you can go to com and and you can uh, you can get those outlines. So what, what we see here in chapter 32, 33, and, and even beyond that, but we're just going to stick with those two today. Is this guy that we haven't met before all of a sudden starts speaking? Uh, his name is Elahu, and he um, he's a young guy. He uh, claims to be younger than all the others, and that's the reason why he hasn't said anything up to this point. He was deferring to their uh, age and wisdom. And so, all of a sudden, what we're going to see here is that Allahu is going to take over the conversation. And basically, he's going to keep on talking until God shows up. And um, there's a great controversy about the nature of Allahu's uh, speech. Um, so you, you're going to find lots of different opinions, lots of different people saying lots of different things. Um, being that I'm the one talking, I'm going to give you mine, but just be aware that there are many people who think, uh, Elihu is, uh, just as bad as the friends that he's given wrong advice that he's, um, you know, that he's just another voice among these guys um But there are things that lead me to believe that Elihu is actually uh the prophetic voice of the book he is the he 's going to be the one who gives job uh, the right counsel and uh he 's going to tell job if i just want to if we just want to sum it up in a nutshell before we start looking at his speech um, so far, all the friends. The the three friends that have been speaking the whole book, their whole message was, you have sinned, and therefore you are suffering. And that was basically their whole message. I mean, you could boil it down into a nutshell. Um, Elihu's message is different. His is going to be, and he claims that it is from God, not from wisdom or tradition or those things. Um, But his message is going to be, Job, you are suffering. But you have sinned in your suffering. So he's not going to say that Job's suffering is caused by his sin, but he is going to rebuke Job for sinning uh, while he was suffering. Let me explain that a little bit. Job has been, Job is a righteous man. We know that. God has said that. Job has said that. He's held on to his righteousness. Uh, as Job began suffering in the beginning of the book, we saw that he held fast to his integrity. He never denied God. He didn't you know, uh, take out his frustrations. But as suffering continued, and as it got worse and worse and worse, and as these three friends added to his suffering over and over again, what we saw was, in especially in the final speech of Job, what we saw was that Job began to um, accuse accuse God of injustice for lack of a better way to put it, uh, and, and at most he accused God, he definitely accused God of coming against him without a cause, he accused God of causing his suffering for no reason, and most importantly, he accused God of being silent when Job called out to him. That was Job's big that was Job's big thing. I want God to come and judge my case. I want him to hear my plea. I want him to uh, try me as if in a courtroom and I want him to tell me what I have done wrong, why he has come against me and Job made several comments like when I call to God he is silent and he hides from me and he you know and so this is all more than Elihu can understand and he he, I mean more than he can bear and he begins to speak and what he's going to do is he is going to vindicate, vindicate God uh, from what Job has been saying, and he is going to, especially in these two chapters, we'll get to later speeches, uh, but in these two chapters, he is going to demonstrate that God does speak and has spoken. Job is saying, Oh God, you're not talking, why won't you show up and all these. Elihu is going to show Job that, that God has spoken and he is speaking. And he is also going to show Job that, uh, Job has sinned against God in the midst of his suffering. Now, be careful and understand exactly what I'm saying. Job, Job's suffering did not come about because of his sin. We saw that from the very beginning of the book. And that's what the three friends were trying to get Job to, to see, was that his sin caused suffering. But that's not the message of the book of Job And Elihu doesn't give that message to Job. He doesn't say that your sin has caused your suffering. But he says, he's going to show us in these two chapters that that God allows suffering so that men would come to God. And so he's going to show that. But what he is going to tell Job is that Job, in the midst of your suffering, you have sinned against God by declaring him unrighteous declaring him unjust saying that he is hiding from you and, and those things so let's let's begin walking through these and I'm gonna try to go fast because there's there's two chapters and I mean we could spend all day in these first we're gonna see Allah uh, who is he's gonna spend and this is just part of the the literature of the book of Job. He's gonna spend this first chapter, this thirty two, chapter thirty two, he's gonna spend the whole chapter telling Job, Hey Job, I'm fixing to say something So So, you know it's very poetic, and he goes into the, the things. But, uh, the, like, verses 1 through 5, it says, you know, Elihu is basically telling Job, hey, I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak on God's behalf. Uh, verses 1 says, uh, this is chapter 32, verse 1. So these three men, these are the three friends, ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then Elihu, the son of Barachel, the Buzite of the family of Ram, burned with anger. He burned with anger at Job because he justified himself rather than God. He burned with anger also at Job's three friends, because they had found no answer, although they had declared Job to be in the wrong. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were older than he, and when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, he burned with anger. And then this is where he's gonna start speaking. So you see he's he's upset he is uh he's upset because of uh Job he's upset because uh Job has said I am the righteous one and God is being mean to me basically you know God is has forsaken me he's left me he's and I don't know why and, and these things uh think about it now make sure you understand that he's not saying he's not angry because uh God is actually punishing Job for his sin and Job won't Won't accept it. He is angry because, in the midst of Job's suffering, Job decides that God is unjust. And the friends, the three friends that have been talking to Job, they have, they have not come up with a credible answer as to show Job where he has gone wrong. And so, Elihu being the youngest, he has deferred to his elders, but now they're silent and there's nothing else that they're going to say. There's nothing else they can say. And so, now he decides to speak. But here's the, the, the big thing about uh, chapter 32 is he is going to tell Job that I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak from God's leading. I'm not going to speak from tradition. I'm not going to speak from wisdom. We've seen the other three friends saying, I've saw in the night visions, and, and it's always been this way. The elders have taught us. The people of old have said the wisdom and knowledge. They've all been saying this is the way life is, and we know this because of, you know, the the learning that we have, the wisdom that we have. Elahu is not gonna say that. He's gonna say, I'm gonna speak from the spirit that is inside me. I'm gonna speak from God's leading. Uh, Verse six through ten he says, And Elahu the son of Barkel, the Buzite answered and said, I am young in years and you are aged. Therefore, I was timid and afraid to declare my opinion to you. I said, let days speak and many years teach wisdom. He was talking about the old guys. He says, but it is the spirit in man, the breath, which is the same word that is used for spirit. Uh, it's a, it's a, translational issue whether you translate it breath or spirit but it is the spirit in man the spirit of the almighty the breath of the almighty that makes him understand it is not the old who are wise nor the age who understand what is right therefore i say listen to me let me also declare my opinion he's going to tell he's basically telling job he said look god's words the words of the Spirit of God are more valuable than tradition. It's not the wise, the old men who are just are wise. Uh, so far, he says, I have deferred to these older guys' counsel. He says, but now I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak from the breath of... Of the Almighty, I'm going to speak from the Spirit of the Almighty, uh, the Spirit that inside is in is inside a man. The Spirit of the Almighty is the one that makes him understand. You can't win this argument, fellas, with wisdom and rationality and logic. Although, of course, logic is part of uh, God's truth. I'm not discounting logic, but you can never argue a person into the kingdom. You can never argue a person. To accept God or to trust God or to see God. It is the Spirit of God that does that. And that's what he says in verse 8. It's the Spirit in man, the Spirit of the Almighty, the breath of the Almighty that makes him understand. Uh, He's going to tell them in verse 11, he's going to say that it's God's truth. That is needed. These three friends have not been able to give an answer to Job. And they have not found an answer. No matter how how hard they've tried. We've spent. You know the whole book of Job just grueling over these three friends speeches and then trying to convince job um, but you have to have god 's truth in order to give an appropriate answer job was is not going to listen to the wisdom of the elders he 's not going to listen to hey, this is the way it 's always been he He is going to be moved by god 's truth, and that 's one of the reasons why I see elihu 's speech here as the uh, the 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 actual uh, prophetic voice that comes and explains to Job uh, what is going on. As soon as Elihu is finished with his, with his speaking, God shows up, and God spends the entire uh, the entire time of his talking, uh, basically asking Job, "Who do you think you are?" Uh, he he tells he asks Job, you know, we'll see this later on, but he says, you know, where were you when I created the animals? And where were you when I put the stars in the sky? where Who do you think you are is basically what he's telling Job. Uh, so Elihu's speech here is the response. It's the prophetic response. And there's many evidences for that. You know, um, uh, one is that Elihu dares Job, you know, answer me if you can. And there is no answer from Job. Uh, Job finds no words that can... Respond to what Elihu has said. Um, There is uh, his speeches are his speech here from in these chapters is decidedly different than the the other three. And when God comes and rebukes Job, God is going to rebuke Job's three friends, Zophar, Bildad, and Eliphaz, but he's not going to rebuke Elihu. So there's lots of lines of evidence as to why I think. Uh, Elihu's speech is the kind of uh, the answer to all of what Job has been saying, and, and there's, it's a huge speech. So we're gonna we're gonna see all kinds of different facets of it. Um, God's words is what he's saying. God's words are more valuable than men's tradition. And God's truth is needed. You have to have it if you're going to give an answer. You can't just do it with the wisdom of the elders and, and, and those kind of things. In verse 11, it says, Behold, I waited for your words. I listened for your wise sayings while you searched out what to say. I gave you my attention. And behold, there was none among you who refuted Job. He's talking to these friends. Or who answered his words. He says, beware lest you say we have found wisdom. He's saying, look, you cannot, you have failed in your responsibility. He's saying, beware. You don't say, hey, we found wisdom. We know we're right. And then God may vanquish him, not a man. What verse 13 in chapter 32 is saying is Elihu is, is chastising the friend saying, you, can't, you have to answer Job. You can't just say, hey, well, we know what we're talking about. You know what? Job won't listen. Let God deal with him. You know, it's not up to men to try to convince him. No, uh, he says, you've abdicated your responsibility. He says, beware when you say that. Beware lest you say we have found wisdom. May God vanquish him. He's saying he, he, he chastises his friends. They, they can't just sit back and say, you know what? Let God deal with this guy. Elihu must answer with God's truth. He must answer Job's charge that God is silent and God is unjust. Uh, God is being unjust to him. Verse 14, uh, it says, He has not directed his words against me, talking about Job, and I will not answer him with your speeches. Elihu says, look, Job hasn't been talking to me this whole time. He hasn't been... Uh, arguing with me this whole time and I'm not going to argue with him the way you've been arguing with him. He says, I'm going to talk to him through, I'm going to talk to him with God's truth, with God's words, by the spirit of the Almighty, not by the wisdom of the elders, not by the the learning of the people. I'm not going to do that. They are dismayed. They answer no more talking about your speeches, the friends. They have not a word to say. He's saying, you know, the friends, they don't have anything else to say. And verse 16 says, And shall I wait because they do not speak, because they stand there and answer no more? He said, I can't just stand here while they... You know, while they are are silent, while they have given up trying to uh, convince Job, uh, trying to help Job, trying to speak with Job, and that's been the whole purpose of the friends. Really, it's not. You know, we kind of get lost in the argument, but the purpose of the friends when they first came onto the scene in the first and second chapter was to comfort Job. To help Job. And Elihu is saying, look, just because you're unable to answer Job with tradition and with wisdom of the world and those things, the teaching of the elders and all that, he says, you you can't just give up your Uh, your calling to come and help Job, you can't just give up and say, you know what, forget it, Job don't want any help. He needs to hear God's truth. It's necessary. That's what he's saying. Verse 17, he says, I also will answer with my share. I also will declare my opinion, for I am full of words. Then here it is, the spirit within me constrains me. Behold, my belly is like wine that has no vent, like new wineskins ready to burst. I must speak that I may find relief. I must open my lips and answer. I will not show partiality to any man. He says, Look, I'm not going to show partiality to Job. I'm not going to show partiality to you. I'm not going to show partiality to the wisdom of the elders who have come before us. He says, I will not show partiality to any man or use flattery toward any person, for I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would soon take me away. He's saying, Look, I'm going to speak God's truth, and I don't really care about flattering you or trying to get you to come to my side or to do those things. He said, I'm in this to please God. That's what he says in verse 22. I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would soon take me away. He's he's in this. He's speaking to Job here um, from God's perspective. He's speaking Uh, He's speaking to Job and to the friends, and he's the prophetic voice that we finally hear that brings some uh, spirit-filled words to uh, this conversation that has been going on. The friends have no idea what's going on, and Job has all but admitted he has no idea what's going on. He wants God to come and tell him what's going on. He wants God to come and try his case. This suffering is, is overbearing him. So in chapter 33, that was chapter 32, um, Elihu is going to rebuke Job here. And um, for pretty much chapter 32, he was rebuking the three friends. And in this chapter, he's going to rebuke Job himself. And he tells Job, he says, look, I promise, I pledge to you that I'm going to speak the way God has required me to speak. First, he says, I'm going to speak sincerely. Uh, verse 1 through 3 says... This is chapter 33. But now hear my speech, O Job, and listen to all my words. Behold, I open my mouth. The tongue in my mouth speaks. My words declare the uprightness of my heart. And what my lips know, they speak sincerely. He said, I'm going to speak to you from my heart. I don't care about winning this argument. I don't care about all this, you know, proving that I'm right and you're wrong. And I'll blah, blah, blah. I'm going to speak to you from my heart. I'm going to speak to you. Sincerely, uh, And Elihu is going to give some of his credentials here. He says, I'm going to speak to you as a man of God, just as you, Job, are a man of God. In verse 4 he says, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath, Spirit of the Almighty, gives me life. Answer me if you can, set your words in order before me, take your stand. He's telling Job, Behold, I am toward God as you are. He said, I, I'm God's man just like you are. I too was pinched off from a piece of clay. I too was created in God's image. Um, he's not going to, this is the one thing that uh, we see. He says, I'm going to speak to you from the spirit that is within me. I'm going to speak to you as a man of God just as you are. A man who is created in the image of God just as you are. Um, and the biggest thing he says here in verse 7 is, basically he's going to say, I'm going to speak to you about what about God and about what we've been talking about in your suffering, but I'm not going to add any more suffering to you. That's what the three friends have been doing. They have been adding suffering to, on top of Job's suffering. But here Elihu says, Behold, no fear of me need terrify you. My pressure will not be heavy. Upon you, he said, "I'm not going to add any more. I'm not going to add any more suffering to you. And what he's going to do is he's pledging here in in verses eight through thirteen. He's going to pledge, Job. I'm going to show you where you're wrong. I'm going to show you that God has answered you, and that's been Job's biggest." A complaint against God—that's been his biggest thing. Was you know I call out to God, He doesn't answer. I, I call God to come and try my case, and He doesn't show up. I call to God, and He doesn't come. He—he's not speaking to me anymore. He doesn't show His face when I need Him. He's basically saying, "God just God's not gonna God, not gonna talk to man anymore." And Elihu is gonna pledge to show Job where he's wrong. Uh, verse eight says, "This is Allah talking to Job." Surely you have spoken in my ears, and I have heard the sound of your words. You say, I am pure, without transgression. I am clean, and there is no iniquity in me. Behold, he finds occasions against me. He counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks and watches all my paths. These are the arguments that Job has said. Job has told the friends that he is pure, but And there's no iniquity in him, but God has come against him as an enemy and put his feet in stocks. And then uh, uh, he's going to say, this is Elihu's central theme in these chapters, verse 12 and 13 of chapter 33. He says, Behold, in this you are not right. I will answer you, for God is greater than man. Why do you contend against him, saying, He will answer none of man's word?" That is basically what Elihu is going to rebuke is what he is going to uh, defend he's saying, Why do you say that God has not answered you? Why do you in this you're not right i'll answer you, and God is greater than men. Why do you say that he has not answered you and then from chap from verse fourteen to verse you know thirty or pretty much the end of this chapter. Elihu is going to show Job that God has spoken. God has spoken to him. God has not been silent. God has not let him go out into the way without him, without His word to follow him. Uh, it says in 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 verse fourteen, it says, "For God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it." Uh, this is a, a common uh, Jewish idiom for saying god does it repeatedly you know uh there's a lot in the prophets it says god says uh over and over again he says uh for for six sins i rebuke thee yea, for seven i will cast you out you know this is uh this is the way to um this is a way for them to say that 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 it's an abundance. You know, and what uh, Elihu is saying here is God has spoken in an abundance to you. Uh, Verse 14 says, for God speaks in one way and in two, though, though man does not perceive. Um, He speaks to men. Look what he's going to say here. First thing he says, he's God has spoken to you. Uh, through your conscience, I mean, he's speaking to you right now in your own in your own thoughts, in your own conscience. Verse fifteen says, "In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men while they slumber on their beds, then he, God, opens the ears of men and terrifies them with warnings, that he may turn man aside from his deed and conceal pride from men. He keeps back his soul from the pit, his life from the perishing." By the sword. What do you mean God hasn't spoken to you? God is speaking through to you through your conscience every time He turns you back from pride, every time He um warns you of sinful things, every time you have the inkling that you know this is wrong, this is not what I should be doing uh that's God speaking to you through your conscience, and He does that in for a purpose in verse eighteen he to keep you back your soul from the pit and your life from the perishing. By the sword, he he speaks to men through this conscience. But that's not the only way he's spoken to you, Job. You know right and wrong. You know uh, what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. You have a sense of uh, God's law, God's you know word. You know the 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 right way to be, the right way to act, the right way to sacrifice, the right way to come to God. Uh, You know those things, so God has spoken to you. Man is, uh, this goes back to the biblical concept of man's depravity. Um, Man can do nothing uh, toward God without God first interceding uh, on his behalf. Uh, Jesus said that, we are slaves to sin. uh sin is our master, and it's only through regeneration it's only through God's spirit coming and enlightening our eyes that we understand <clears throat> and have a desire to follow God. now, even lost people have consciences, we know that, but the lost man's conscience quickly becomes seared uh quickly becomes uh, i don't want to say I don't want to say it disappears but it uh, it becomes hard, and it uh, speaks with a, a a weaker voice as you as you choose not to listen to it. Let's put it that way. And so he's saying God has spoken to you, and then here is where we're going to get to the the crux of why Job is going through what he's going. Elihu says God has is speaking to you in your suffering. Uh, here is. Uh, a little snippet of an answer to Job's question, why am I going through this? Uh, Elihu gives him, and it's not popular advice, especially if you're going through suffering, but Elihu tells him, God is teaching you in your suffering. And that's something we know to be true. It's not something we want to hear when we go through suffering. I I get that. But it's something that is true nonetheless. Verse 19 it says man is also rebuked with pain on his bed. It's the suffering. And with continual strife in his bones. So that, verse 20, this is the reason why he is rebuked with pain. Why there is continual strife in his bones. So that His life loathes bread, and his appetite the choicest food. God allows suffering so that we will become dissatisfied with the pleasures and the delicacies of this world, the temptations of this world, the comforts of this world. Let me read that again. Verse 19 says, Man is also rebuked with pain on his bed, and his continual strife in his bones so that his life loathes or hates bread and his appetite the choicest food. Verse 21 says his flesh is so wasted away that it cannot be seen and his bones that were not seen stick out and his soul draws near the pit and his life to those and his life draws near to those who bring death. And so what he's saying is God is speaking to you through sufferings. But here's the point, as we come to the end of chapter 33, here's the point. God speaks through this suffering for a purpose. And that purpose is to bring man to God. To bring men to himself. He has provided a mediator to relieve men from that suffering so that men would worship him, glorify him, and And draw near to him with a spirit of dependence. Jesus said, You can do nothing without me. This is why God is allowing suffering. This is how God is speaking through your suffering, Job. Verse 23 says, If there be for him, him is the man suffering, if there be for him an angel, a mediator, one of the thousand, to declare to man what is right for him, and he is merciful to him and says, deliver him from going down to the pit, I have found a ransom. He says, if there is one, if there is a mediator that will deliver man... Out of the suffering that he's going through, be merciful to him and ransom him. Uh, verse 25 says, Let his flesh become fresh with youth. He's still talking about being delivered. Let him return to the days of his, his youthful vigor. Verse 23 through 25 say, basically say, If there is a mediator who will deliver man out of his suffering and bring him back into relationship with God, verse 26. Then, when that happens, man prays to God, and he accepts him. God accepts him. He sees his face with a shout of joy, and he restores to man his righteousness. He sings before men. This is the man who's been redeemed. He sings before men and says, I sinned and perverted what was right, and it was not repaid to me. He has redeemed my soul from going down to the pit, and my life shall look upon the light. What he's saying here in verses 23 through 28, he's saying if there is, if man is going through suffering, and there is a mediator, one of a thousand, who can deliver man from going down to the pit, who can ransom man and redeem him and bring him back to his perfect relationship with God... The purpose of that and the result of that is that man will then pray to God. Man will see His face with joy, and God will God will see His face. Man will see His face with joy, and God will restore to man His righteousness. And then, verse twenty-seven and twenty-eight say, "Then men will worship. Then he'll they'll worship Him." So many times I've seen this in in uh, in daily life is that. The more comfortable we are, the more happy we are, satisfied is a better word, the more satisfied that we are, the less we need God, the less we think we need God, the less we seek Him in prayer, the less we long for Him, the less we uh, call out to Him, cast our cares upon Him. When everything's going fine in life, uh, you know, we tend to put something else, everything else, before God. And it's not just evil people. I mean, we're all evil, but it's not just, oh, the ax murderers and all the heathens that do this. We do this. I do this. I see it in my own life that, you know, the more comfortable I become, the more blessed that I am, the more distant I get from God. And that's my own fault because I get fat and satisfied and happy and and comfortable, and you know what, everything's fine, so what do I need? But then you let tragedy strike, you let suffering come, you let something go on in this life, and the first thing I'm gonna do, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna run right back to God, I'm gonna run right back to the altar, I'm gonna go back to seeking God, I'm gonna go back to understanding that I need God and that I'm dependent upon Him. And it, Elihu is saying, Look, God is speaking, Job, He speaks to you through your conscience. And he is speaking to you through your suffering. He's speaking to you through your suffering. And the purpose of that suffering, the purpose of him speaking this way, is to, so you would worship him when you are redeemed from that suffering. That you would worship him and glorify him. That's the reason. And so you see, uh, Elihu has, is giving a different voice to Job's suffering than all the other three friends have. He's not coming at it as, oh Job, you must have been bad, therefore God's punishing you. He's coming at it as, you know what? You know, you're going through something bad. But God's using this bad. He's using it to to bring you closer to him. And of course, at the end of the book, we'll see that Job does, you know, come closer to God, in deeper relationship with God, and God restores all of Job's stuff. Um, in verse 29, this is this is a, basically a, a summary, 29 and 30, of what Elihu has been saying. Uh, he says, Behold, God does all these things twice, three times with a man. And this is the same Jewish idiom here. He's saying this is how he works with man abundantly, continuously, twice, three times with man. And this is why, verse 33, to bring back his soul from the pit that he might be lighted with the light of life. That is basically the argument that Elihu is making. God works in this way to bring men's soul back from the pit that he may be lighted with, with life. He's Job was a righteous man before God. Job was a good and perfect man before God. Not sinless but you know, in God's eyes Job was perfect. But God allowed Job's testing, not just to uh, show that Job was righteous, although that is what it did, but it was to teach Job that, hey, Job, I'm going to be your very present help, even when everything's taken away from you. I'm going to be the one who redeems you out of the suffering of this world. And then, of course, at the end, Elihu challenges Job. Uh, verse thirty-one through thirty-three. Three says, "Pay attention, O Job. Listen to me. Be silent, and I will speak. If you have words, answer me. Speak, for I desire to justify you. If not, then you listen to me. Be silent, and I will teach you wisdom, true wisdom." Uh, and then he, he's Elihu's going to go on. He's going to he's going to uh, continue this speech in in uh, thirty-four uh, and thirty-five and, and thirty-six and um you know even even on through through uh thirty seven I think it's thirty eight where where the Lord finally shows up and begins to and begins to speak to job directly, but what we see here is a change uh now we're no longer talking about um, God uh changing his mind about what he will accept and job hidden job's hidden sins causing his suffering. Uh, Elihu basically uh, comes forth and says, you know what? Suffering is a reality of life. Suck it up. You're going to have to live with it. But here is what God is doing in the midst of suffering. He has a purpose for the suffering, and it's to bring you to him. It's to bring man closer to him. It's to make man dependent upon him. These are the things that Elihu is saying, and to be honest, it's a it's a refreshing change from what Job has been hearing. And Elihu repeatedly challenges Job. Hey, if you think I'm wrong, answer me. And we never hear another word from Job um, to Elihu. Job's going to speak a little to God. But <clears throat> we never hear Job answering and arguing with Elihu. So what we see here is the answer to all our questions is, is being given. Right here in this final speech, and then at the end we 'll see God show up and basically say says job you don 't really even have the right to to ask these questions that you're asking. Uh, you 're asking you don 't have the right to tell me how to run my universe basically is what god 's going to say, and so the point here is thirty two and thirty three is what you need to get out of it is that elihu is is shown up finally the prophetic voice of god the um, The wisdom of God is showing up in the, in the midst of the argument and it's saying, you know, yes, suffering is a reality, uh, but there is a purpose for suffering and it's to bring you to God.